Welcome everyone, nice to see you in the room and at home. Thanks for joining in online. So today we're looking at Acts chapter two. So the verses are gonna come up on the screen and we're gonna read these together before we dive in and unpack two points, two aspects of these verses this morning. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So we're going to highlight two aspects from these verses today. And the first one, or oh, my clicker, hang on, excuse me, is going to be teaching and how they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And then we're going to have a quick little look at how they devoted themselves as well to fellowship. Two things as a church we know and love and do. And so I want to encourage us to keep going in that as seasons have changed for us over these last 18 months and how we can continue in that. So the word devoted is like amazing word, isn't it? To be devoted to something really is something that you take seriously. It is something that you commit ourselves to. It is something that we put as a priority in our lives and it's something that we love. And so to be devoted to something is a really good thing. And so love, loyalty and enthusiasm for a person or a subject is really good to be focused. And so we're going to look now very quickly at some of these verses and to glean some encouragement from the early church and the first apostles and the new believers that were coming to Jesus. Now, when we look at the context of these verses, they were like early believers. And so they didn't really have like the Bible as we have it today. They would have had the Torah, the books of the Old Testament. And the apostles had literally just been trained by Jesus. So his teachings, his example, and all of the wonderful things that he did and displayed and the miracles, those were like the sort of teaching tools that these apostles had. And so when people were first hearing about Jesus and coming to know Jesus for themselves, the apostles were like, like it was fresh, it was new, it was revolutionary. Who was this man Jesus and it wasn't just a theory or a teaching because they would have known about Jewish law and Jewish religion and they would have known about pagan religions as well but this man Jesus was new he was life-changing he was fresh he was dynamic and so this this teaching that they were hearing for many people it would have been brand new and for the first time and so this here is my family bible okay this is a hundred or so years old if you can see it and it weighs, I did weigh it this morning on my scales, which I don't go on at the moment, 12, point, 12 and a half pounds of teaching is in here. 5.6 kilograms if you're modern, okay? So this is my old family Bible, which for the most part of my life had sat on a bookshelf gathering dust. And in it would have been all the important things of life marriages, births, deaths, where people lived, where people died, etc. And it was like used to kind of uh, record things and history of a family. 
Now, I'm a Welsh person, and if you had been a member of a Welsh family who had gone to chapel or gone to church years and years ago, most homes would have had one of these family Bibles. And before electricity and before TV and radio and iPads and phones and YouTube and Netflix and Prime, this would have probably been one of the only resources people would have had in their homes. And so you can just imagine generations gone by reading and looking at the pictures because they were so beautifully illustrated. And I remember as a child just opening this book to look at the pictures because that's how I learn. I look and see things and I remember and visualize things. And you can just imagine people in the olden days sitting by candlelight or by a paraffin lamp, you know, just looking and reading and all of it is in Welsh as well. Fast forward a hundred years and we have so much at our fingertips in terms of teaching and where we can go to glean knowledge and understanding. And so here we have these little devices, which now we have every version of the Bible, every translation of the Bible. We have devotions, we have books by any author. We can listen to sermons by any preacher from any church in the world. We have resources at our fingertips. We are spoiled rotten in a sense today. So teaching is something that is so accessible for us. It's great to come on a Sunday and when we're members of the church and we're in small groups, it's great on a Tuesday. But really, teaching is more than that, more than just a little glimpse here and a little glimpse there. It's about for our own spiritual journey to be taking responsibility for our own walk with God and our own spiritual nourishment and feeding through devoting ourselves to teaching. And so before the pandemic, a survey was taken quite a few years ago about the decline in homes in the UK who physically had a copy of the Bible. And in 2010, it was recorded that typically 52% of homes in the UK had a physical Bible on their bookshelf. And so you could see that there was a decline. But during the first few months of our first lockdown, there was an absolute amazing download from the Apple Store and the Play Store. And in the one month, there had been two million downloads of the Bible, of the English version, the new translation of the Bible. And this absolutely is so amazing to think that during this time of global uncertainty, people were reaching out and wanting to find out, was God real? Was this old book relevant? Did it have the answers of what we were going through? And you can see that people were hungry and are hungry. And it's so amazing to see like church online and the Bible being bought and read like a fresh in our generation. And so that's really, really good. And so how can we ensure our spiritual hunger is met by teaching through God's word? Well, like as I said, to grow sort of physically, we need to do things like eat and stay hydrated and look after ourselves. That's how we grow. And equally important spiritually, it's to ensure that we're feeding on this book, God's Word, because this is like the manual of life. It is the handbook for living. It instructs us, it edifies us, it brings us knowledge, it brings us comfort, it brings our peace. It gives us so many tools and answers to life's questions. When there's a problem, you can find out what it says about that situation. We can look up the concordance and the word that we're wanting to find out about, and it's all in there. God has given us this handbook of life, not just like what the early apostles had, but we have this for the fullness now in our day and age, and that's wonderful. Now, I know there's a lot of like, people who like gadgets in this room. Have you ever had a gadget? 
and had a handbook or a manual with it, and you thought, oh, just give me the gadget, I'll plug it in, I know how to work it, it's easy. Then three weeks later, you think, oh, well, how, how does this work, and where does that work? And we had a new phone recently, and I'm like, plug it in, charge it up, I know what to do, because I'm so technical. And then three weeks in, I was like, Naomi, how do you do this? Naomi, how do you do that? How do I flick the screen? How do I go into this app? Where's this stored? And it's like, quick, get me the handbook, get me the, the manual, where's it gone? Or have you ever bought a piece of furniture from Ikea? And you thought, oh, this chest of drawers will be done in a snap. Half an hour later, you're there thinking, just give me the bag of tools, I'll do it, it's easy. And then the doors are wonky, you've got the wrong pieces of wood in the wrong place, and you open the drawers and it all collapses on the floor. And you think, right, where's that handbook? Is it stuffed in a drawer? Is it in the paper recycling? Quick, get me the manual. If only I'd read it in the first place. And it's a little bit like this with God's word and teaching and growing spiritually, that if we're reading it, then we can get direction and answers and help in our daily lives. And so it's the manual of truth, it's God's handbook for life, and it's very, very practical. So if you're like me and you like an old-fashioned book with a coffee stain on it and pages folded and lots of writing and underlying sort of underscoring, then that's great. So let's be continuing to read, read, read our Bible and also to listen to talks. If you're not a reader, then there's so much available and so many resources out there. During the pandemic, I was spending a lot of time listening to talks as I was busy pottering around or driving in my car. We have so much available now to us, don't we? And so unpack a character or a word study in the Bible and do something like, you know, researching something. And concordances are great. I mean, you know, if somebody said to me, or oh, read a concordance a few years ago, I would have thought, oh, get off, I can only just read Genesis, do you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, the way that concordances are laid out now today, it's easier reading, it's not just for theologians. And when we sort of go deeper into God's word, when we do a word study or a character search, and we sort of go a little bit more in depth, and we find out the history and the political situation of the day, and what was Jesus meaning, and what was the culture at that time, it really helps us to learn more and to feed ourselves and we grow spiritually and we get closer to Jesus and we change in our lives and our outlooks and in the way we treat people and then we're also equipped to help others in their sort of searching and questions of the Bible etc. Podcasts are brilliant, devotions are great, journaling is really really good. And my favorite Bible is the Life Application Bible. So you've got all the verses laid out and underneath you have little explanations of those verses and it unpacks it so you go a little bit deeper and you get more understanding. And so let's continue as we're journeying through this you know, new season now of continuing to read and learn and apply the teachings of Jesus and God in our Bibles. So let's just be reminded of that. And the second thing I'd like to look at today is the word fellowship. They were devoted to fellowship. It says the apostles, you know, gathered the people together. And when we consider what was going on at the time here, it was in Jerusalem during Passover, which was first fruits, and it was like a festival that happened every year. And so people from the surrounding towns and villages and further afield would have made those long journeys to Jerusalem to celebrate in the festivities, to bring their sort of offerings to the temple, and to remember the passing over of the angel of death for the Hebrew people. And remember the book, in, in, you know, where the 
God protected his people and led them out of Egypt. And so every year they would remember this. And so Jerusalem would have been packed heaving at this time. It would have been a bit like Saunders for last bank holiday Monday when nobody can go abroad. So everyone makes it to Pembrokeshire. Everyone in the UK headed to Tenby that day. And so it would have been hustle, bustle, loads of people. And so, you know, for a lot of these new people who were just hearing about Jesus through this, the apostles' teaching, like Peter had just given his first, like, public sort of huge evangelistic talk just recently. And so they would have been hearing about Jesus and who are these men and women and what are these people about and how can this affect my life? How can this change my life? How can this impact my life? How can I get to know this man, Jesus? And the amazing thing about it was that it wasn't just a new theory, a new religion, a new way of doing things, but it was backed up with power and the work of the Holy Spirit and there were miracles. And you know, sometimes people say, oh, that's awesome. And it says here, they were in awe at the miracles that were taking place. You know, we loosely use that word, oh, I love your hair, it's awesome. Oh, well done, that was awesome. But actually, that's very loosely used these days, isn't it? But the word awesome is like when Peter was walking down the street and people were being healed by just his shadow. It wasn't Peter, it wasn't his shadow, but it was Jesus, the Holy Spirit, in and through them. What's awesome is when Peter went to pray for a lady called Dorcas who had just died in her home, Naomi's favorite story as a little girl, and she raised out of death. She raised from the dead. That's awesome. And so you think, gosh, there's awesome, and there's awesome. And so these new believers were experiencing these awesome miracles from the sort of teaching and demonstration of the faith of these apostles. And so that is amazing and so exciting. And so the next thing I want to look at is fellowship. So the New Testament word, kononia, is the word that we use for fellowship. And it expresses the idea of being together for mutual benefit. So in Hebrews 10, it says this. Excuse me, I have a little drink. It's warm today, isn't it? Oh, it must be about 40 degrees. I feel like I'm in Spain. I wish, but not tip any water on that. Family heirloom and all that. Okay. So let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds and not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day approaching or the day drawing near. And so whilst we have been in this very peculiar season, we haven't been able to physically meet together, but we've found so many creative ways of still being able to engage in friendships, engage in church meetings, and fellowship, koinonia, amongst other people who believe in Jesus. And that's been brilliant, isn't it, with Zoom and all the different things that we've been able to engage in. But it's really, really important that as we are followers of Jesus, we enjoy and participate in koinonia, in fellowship. We can be encouraged by one another as we do life together, as we learn together, as we worship together. To neglect corporate times together, whether in like big services like this, or in small social gatherings, or Zoom calls and social times, is to kind of give up on the encouragement and help of other believers. And we gather together to share our faith and to strengthen one another in God. And as we get closer to the day when Jesus will return, we will face many spiritual struggles, as many are doing now, and maybe even time, face times of persecution. Now, back to where this text is coming from, 
during the early church, they were about to experience tremendous persecution because of their faith in Jesus. And, um, you know, when we read a little bit later on, it says that these believers then eventually went back to their towns and villages, and that's how the kind of the gospel or the message of Jesus spread so rapidly across that world at that time. And here we are today sitting in this room as a direct result, in a sense. And so, for the mutual growth of every believer, our gifts are for the common good. You know, they shared with one another, they supported one another, they did life together. And as people would have had their little hubs and their small groups, and they would have met in Solomon's um, uh, portico, you know, like outside the temple for public big gatherings. They would have met in fields under a tree, they would have met in people's homes, they would have ate together, and things like that. And so fellowship was really important, and still is today for us. And so because we are just a part and not the whole, we need the other parts. And in Corinthians, it says this. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. And so, but to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good, for the body is not one member, but many. We're all different parts. We all have different experiences. We all have been through different things. We all have gifts that we can share. It's not just for our own little exclusive little cluster or our own lives, but it's to bless and help and support and encourage others. And because we are just a part and not the whole, we need the other parts of the body just like they need us. So God's plan and purpose for his family is kononia, is fellowship. And so when you think, oh, you know, oh, it's only me, nobody will miss me. Yes, we will. We will miss you because you bring something that is unique of your personality and your experience. We all need each other. We all can bless and help and support and encourage one another. And that's really important. So never feel it's just little old me because you are meant to be part of God's family because of his love. So the example of the early church included extensive involvement in fellowship. And it is so wonderful to be part of a modern day church that does this so well. They would meet like I said, in various sort of um, ways. And so we have become creative in the ways that we meet. Some of the small group girls from our small group last Sunday went out for food together. It was the first time in 16 months I had to like dress smart, put a bit of makeup on, and actually sit outside, a few of us having a meal together. And I was actually a little bit nervous about this, even though we'd all been in touch through Zoom and now we're coming back into church meetings and things, but to actually be in a social gathering of a few friends was actually quite nerve-wracking. And you know, there is an actual thing now which is called reopening anxiety, or sort of, um, you know, as we're entering back into like civilization and normal things. You know, a lot of people are quite anxious at this time. You know, they get nervous or upset tummy and they, they just don't know how to engage anymore. And you know, this is a reality for some of us. And for many of us, this can be something that we'll face in the next few weeks and months as we journey hopefully towards coming out of this lockdown period. And so it's really important that we fellowship and we meet together and we um, are a friend to others. And so it says, there's a saying that says, the only way to have a friend is to be one. And that is so true. Successfully building supportive relationships is really important and we all have our part to play. And it takes two to tango, as they say. 
And so as we journey out of COVID, as we commence re-entry period into our civilization and normal activities and our public gatherings and our small group gatherings and our social gatherings that I'm sure for many of us we have missed so much, let's follow the example continually of the early church and know that you matter, we matter, each of us count, and God does not want us to be isolated, but to be participants in his kingdom, in his family, the church. And so we're going to pray now, and I just want to encourage you that as we are re-entering into these new things over these next few weeks and months, that you really do it with the heart of knowing that you matter and that what you have to bring is really valuable and important to other people, and that we come with a heart of wanting to serve and give and honor God as well as to receive, because we all receive and get blessed by one another, and it's also to know how we can bless and serve others at this time as well, so all of us are participatory. I suppose in some ways, the big gatherings like this are more spectator-led, aren't they? We come, we join in, we sort of listen, and we hear the words. But then in our smaller groups, we are more participatory, if that's a word, where we participate, where we join in. We can, you know, we can unpack what was said on Sunday. We can pray for one another. We can bring a need for prayer. We can support in the practical things for one another. We can laugh together, we can ask questions together, we can do things together, and that is really good that we can now start to very carefully and sensibly do those things. So I want to encourage you not to be afraid, not to be anxious, you know, do things a little step at a time safely, and to just know that God is with us, and whilst things might look a little different, the roots and foundations are still the same. Dive into teaching, be responsible for our own spiritual lives, make sure we're being fed and nurtured from the word in whatever shape or form that is that works for you and to continue fellowshipping, connoisseuring, making sure that we are fellowshipping with one another, loving, supporting, encouraging, praying for one another at this new season of life. So why don't we bow our heads? Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your love, that your love is real, that your power is real. And as we re-enter this sort of season of reality where we start to see people and meet with people again, I pray that you would give us the confidence that you would bring each of us an encouraging word for somebody else, that you would speak to us prophetically through dreams and through your word, that things would come alive afresh for us as we meet other people. And for those people around us who do not believe in you yet, Lord, we pray that you would use us and that you would help people to see you through our words and actions, that they would come to know you too. And I just pray, Lord, for each person here, that you would fill them afresh with your Holy Spirit and your power. Holy Spirit, I invite you to come right now in your power. Fill us afresh, Jesus, with who you are, what you have done, and how you impact our lives. Help us to live out of that fresh well that is within us because we have immersed ourselves in your word and in your presence. Remind us this week, Lord, to read the instructions that you give us to live our lives successfully and to bless others. And this week, Lord, I pray that you would lay one person on each of our hearts that we can go and encourage with a word, with a gift, with a prayer, 
So as your family, as your people, we are all participating and looking out for one another at this very strange time. In Jesus' name, amen. One minister said this about church attendance and fellowship. He said, attend, defend, and extend. And as we continue to go into this new season, make Jesus number one in all we say and do. Attend, be there, be committed. You know, for a church member, turn up, keep going, do all the things to support and help each other. Defend, defend the church. If somebody speaks negatively about the church or a leader or a friend in the church, defend it and extend. You know, let's seek to invite those who do not yet know Jesus into the church that his family and our church extends. And it's so amazing to think about all the people who are like looking and, you know, interested and are searching out of a deep kind of hurt this year that people want answers. They want to know that there is a heaven. They want to know that there is life after this earth. They want to know there is hope. And we, as the family of God, can deliver those things, just like these apostles and new believers did 2,000 years ago. So let's continue in that. Amen. Thank you.